cats and kittens, we are back with another very special stay-at-home self-quarantine episode of the Brando Cast. Returning to the Brando Cast today, after too fucking long, the first guest that I ever had on this dumb little podcast is back with me today. She is an actor, a writer, a sometimes host, and an overall force of fucking nature. Please welcome to the Brando Kiss, Miss Stevie Nelson. Wow, it's good to be back. Thank you for having me. It has been, look, two fucking years. Yes. I think I've seen you in person twice, maybe. Yeah, I remember I remember them both. Randomly in the city of Los Angeles. That is a that is a crime. Yeah. This uh pandemic has done us no favors. No. However, you have a fancy microphone set up there. And sure you have do. a little headset. I know you've been fucking crazy busy these days. So before yes. we nerd out, because today you and I are going to figure it out. Yeah, we are. We're going to we're going to figure we're, everything out. Right. Yeah. We're going to solve all the problems in one day, just like they say you can't. Dating in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Career in Los Angeles. We got it. Living in Los Angeles. Easy. Why aren't we both TikTok stars? Although, although you might be a TikTok star. I don't know. No, I've, I can barely figure out how to edit anything in TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What the fuck is going on in your life these days? Give me a quick update. All right. Quick update. Um, I am in a serious relationship. Whoa. Huge update. Uh, and by serious, I mean, super fun, enjoyable, wonderful relationship. Not, not serious. Like we sit down and we have talks about finances. Um, and he has a four and a half year old son. (laughs) So I spend a lot of my time playing with Legos. Um, what does the, okay. What's the son's name? His name is Sawyer. Does Sawyer call you Stevie? Yeah, he calls me Stevie, and on good days, he calls me Stevie Daddy. Stevie Daddy. Yeah. That is a great band name, Stevie Daddy. It's pretty freaking cool. <laughs> Every time, and sometimes, the best part is, sometimes he'll, he's, he'll let me know that he's changing my name to Steve. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shorten your name to Steve today. And I'm like, hell yeah, you are. That is so badass. Has anyone in your life ever called you Steve? All of my girlfriends call me Steve. Is that right? I did not know that. Yeah, I think they think it's funny. Like I have, I have one friend who started calling me Big Steve. And so, yeah, I have a lot of people in my life who call me Steve. May I start calling you Steve? I would prefer it. Yeah. Okay. So ladies and gentlemen, today on the Brando cast, my guest is Steve Nelson. Yeah. Steve Nelson. Uh, if you look him up on uh, Google, he'll probably just come up as like an accountant or something. <laughs> Um, The barking you hear in the background is an Australian cattle dog who is mad that the landscapers have arrived at the adjacent property to mine right now. Django, bro, come here. You're doing a good job, but I need you to just be off duty for a while. Okay, we're back. Back. It's just going to be a problem because I can't be in two places at one time. This is a loud animal. I mean, I get it. I have three small dogs and they are, they fit every cliche. Like if the mailman comes not into it, if the neighbor gets a knock on the door, they'll be barking. 
it's loud in here. <laughs> um, let's go back to uh, the relationship real quickly, and then yes. we'll jump into the topic of today's Brandocast uh, with Stevie N- with Steve Nelson. Thank you for um, the correction. Give me the Cliff Notes version because you met someone during the pandemic, correct? Well, yeah, it was sort of, yeah. So I had actually met him in like 2019. We had like a little bit of a meet cute at a coffee shop. And I walked up to his son, who was a taught like a baby baby at the time. And I was like, this kid is so cute. And just started talking to the kid, had one of my dogs with me and then looked up and there was just like a man with the kid. And I like, was just like, who's this man? And we started talking, hit it off. I was dating someone. He was dating someone. And I walked away and was like, dang, I wish I could date that guy. (laughs) (laughs) to my friend who was with me. And then, um, we reconnected like last year. That is so rom-commy. I know it's crazy rom-commy. I, the part that was the most rom-commy was like the weird slow-mo motion of like, I'm talking to this little baby. He's like kissing my dog. And then I just like slow pan up and I just see this man who's smiling at me. And I was like, what is happening? Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Damn. Look at that. It's possible. You know, it is. And it doesn't have to be all of the things that everyone thinks dating in LA is. I think, I think there, I think it's possible to date someone who's emotionally available and fun and funny. And you did this without Raya or Hinge or Tinder or Bumble or School of Fish or Match or whatever. To be totally fair, the reason that we actually started dating is because we saw each other on Hinge. Oh, okay. All right. Well, so we met in real life and then we confirmed that we were single on Hinge. So, you know, I can't knock dating apps. It kind of helped. What, no, but I like the fact that you guys met beforehand. So there was some, there, Me was, too. some, there was an initial, there was an initial attraction that was yes. undeniable. Yes. Uh, did, uh, did that gentleman bring his child to a cool a coffee shop to, to meet ladies? As far as I know, he doesn't use his kid as a, (laughs) as a like pawn for getting women. But that being said, I could be wrong. Who knows? (laughs) I mean, if so, it worked. I mean, I, we should applaud him. It worked perfectly. And God. Well, congratulations, Steve. Thank Um, you. I know there have been, I, I can, I think I can say this. I know there have been some duds in the past. Oh, Brendan duds would really. (laughs) downplay my experience of dating in LA for the past like 14 years. It has been a roller coaster. Well, you know, I, I often think of you because we we're living in an age where the billionaire is celebrated more than at any other time in the history of this planet. Yeah. Uh, meaning if you're a billionaire, you got millions of fans for no fucking reason other than the fact that you're a billionaire and people want to be you. Um, but again, before we jump into the topic of the Brando cast, would you please share mm, some of the pitfalls of going on a date with an actual billionaire? Gosh, there are so many. Which billionaire are we talking about? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm I talking about the billionaire that you basically like, no, dude, no. Okay. Yeah. So that billionaire, um, um, I was set up with him through my meditation teachers, through my transcendental meditation teacher, sure. unlikely, unlikely place to be set up. But, um, he, we had had a one phone call and on the phone call, he told me that it wouldn't work, that I was an actress because he likes to take vacations 
whenever he wants. So it wouldn't work for him if I had to stay home for an audition um, because he wants me to get on his private jet with him and go somewhere. Would it be okay if I quit acting first before we had even ever been on a date? I've never even seen this guy in person. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't really sound like we're much of a match, does it? And he was just like, (laughs) so my takeaway from that was like, I don't know, maybe you don't date someone who's been handed everything or given everything their entire life because they will try to actually change your career for you before they Uh, even meet you. Right. Yes. That's chapter one in your book, How to Not Date a Billionaire. Yeah. How to Avoid Dating a Billionaire and How to Date Someone Who's Just a Daddy. Oh my God. Yeah. It's it I, wild. I, I, you know, I, I, you know, this about me, I struggle around narcissists. Yeah. Um, I also struggle around people who've never been told no in their life. Oh man. They're brutal. The entitlement and the inability to understand why you would put your foot down. Like as if anybody chooses acting or like a job, like that they love because they want to stay in LA and work like, it was just such a um, blatant lack of understanding of like what actually motivates people. Yeah. But people who don't hear, no, they don't, they don't work well in my world either. Yeah. Uh, they are very difficult to navigate. All right, let's go. Let's have some fun. Okay. Cause I don't have Stevie, Steve Nelson for the whole entire day. You know, when I started this podcast, the concept for this podcast, you were you know, in some ways, a guinea pig, because way back two and a half years ago, because you're actually at episode 105 now. Uh, oh. When I first started, I thought the idea was going to be that I was going to nerd out and present people with music that they didn't know. Hmm. And you made it fun. We did Deep Purple with you that was fun. And, and our friend Leah Lamar, who yeah. apparently is some Bitcoin celebrity now. <laughs> yeah, it's uh-huh. pretty cool. <laughs> And I brought you guys back to talk about yes. Uh-huh. Um, and I did this, the same concept with a bunch of other people, but then I realized after not too long that it's actually more fun to talk to people about music that they love because the music with, that we love is connected to other things that we love. And the conversations just go uh, to fun places. You guys were troopers. I but, thought that was uh, fun. Honestly, I, I love it. Well, it was fun because you guys had never heard Deep Purple before, which I totally understand, uh, me being a super Gen X person, but you guys helped me to get to a better place. So uh, on that note, when I asked Steve Nelson to do the Brando cast today, I said, what should we talk about? And she said Fleetwood Mac. We have covered Fleetwood Mac on this show before, so I'm not going to bore everybody with the history of Fleetwood Mac. But what we are, what we're going to do is we're going to have a Steve Nelson Fleetwood Mac listening party. So, Steve, <laughs> yeah. what would be your first song on the Fleetwood Mac playlist? Is my first song my favorite or is my first song my fifth favorite? Uh, You know, that's an amazing question. So why don't we work backwards? Why don't we go fifth favorite for you? Great. Yeah. Thank you for that. Okay. So my listening party would start with number five, You Make Loving Fun. (laughs) Okay. This is... I have to tell you exactly where this took me, okay? Because I'm going to age myself, as I often do. 
This took me to when Kathleen King was my babysitter in the year of our Lord, 1977, when rumors came out. Because she fucking loved that record, and she was God's gift to humanity, and maybe my first real crush, like on an individual in life, rather than a crush on Lori Partridge. I know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I have some follow-up questions that I'll wait to ask. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. But this is fantastic. Why do you pick uh, You Make Love and Fun? Well, I just think it's one of my, it's such an upbeat, fun song. Um, And also kind of every song on Rumors is so good, in my opinion. It's like one of the better records. Um, But I I don't know. I love this song. This song is like one of my favorite to like roll roll the windows down, drive around Hollywood. Beep at beep at all the cars. Beep beep. I do a lot of verbalizing beep beep because I don't beep. I don't honk my horn, so I'll go beep beep. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I just think it's really fun. I think it's such a fun song written by Christina. How do you say her last name? McVie. 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 Christina McVie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just love this song. I have, and I'll listen to it over and over again. It's a it's a repeater for me. I get goosebumps. This is honest to God. I get goosebumps whenever I hear. I never did believe in ways of magic. Yeah, me too. Terrible, but even uh, when you sing it, I was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God! It's um, I it's it's just it's amazing that this record has just it's not just stood the test of time. It is the definition of a timeless record because it's on the fucking charts. Yes, dog. Isn't yes, that dog. Yes. Yeah. My dogs who barely understand music understand this. But yeah, it does stand. It's like you could play it today for anyone. I, one of the songs I'll, I'll give you a, an example of that. But like, and everyone still likes it. It's like you don't even have to know who they are. Do you think uh, Steve, Steve Nelson and I are recording this podcast on the heels of the second weekend of Coachella? Do you think that Fleetwood Mac could play Coachella and all the children there uh, would enjoy them? I do. And I also think if Fleetwood Mac played Coachella, I would finally go to Coachella for the first time. <laughs> oh, you've never been. No, but I did have a dream last night that I accidentally went. <laughs> and... <laughs> And in my dream, I paid for an Airbnb, but it was already, someone was already in it. I ate their leftover food. It was like a, a really expensive burrito bowl and then canceled my reservation and got charged $64 for that burrito bowl. Wow. That was my dream last night. I was like, this couldn't be more relevant. <laughs> I am. Um, it's been 20 years since I've been to Coachella. I didn't uh- know Coachella was... I didn't know its origins go back that far. Oh, absolutely. And back in the day, for those of us who were old, you could buy individual day tickets. Like you didn't have oh. to buy a pass for the entire weekend. So I actually, the last time I went to Coachella, I did go a few times, but the last time I went was specifically to see Oasis on, I think, April 28th, 2002. Swear to God, I've got the ticket. Damn. From. I posted cool. a, a silly picture of it on Instagram. Okay, enough about me. Let's go back to the Steve Nelson Fleetwood Mac playlist. What is your number four? Number four is Landslide. To my love, took it down. Look, I know it will take down the mood entirely, but 
I love a combination of wisdom and sorrow. Um, and she, like something with, that's crazy about this song for me is that she wrote it in her mid twenties. And like in my mid twenties, I was like still having sex with other people's boyfriends. Oh, oh, hey, oh. <laughs> or more like ex-boyfriends, you know, like just sort of burning bridges left and right. And like, she was out in Colorado writing about the Rocky Mountains. I'm just like, okay, never mind. We're at, we were at two different places. Well, you know, she is a God. She's an ancient soul. She's our God. She's our God. She is our God. She was put on this planet Earth to share truths with people that they yeah. might not hear otherwise. Yeah. And also a woman who had experienced like tremendous heartbreak by her mid-20s. Yeah. And this is as much a song about Lindsay Buckingham as anything else. Yeah. I mean, obviously their relationship is the, the fodder for so much of their material and their back and forth. Um, what was your, what was your first big heartbreak? Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. First big heartbreak. Just moved to LA. I was 22. I, the, probably like the day I moved to LA, I started dating this guy who was maybe 33. So he was like 11 years older than me. Um, we dated for three years and we broke up and I, could not eat. I could not sleep. I spent an entire year, like not dating anyone, not doing anything, not hooking up. And I like, I would walk around LA sometimes run into him on dates. Like it was horrible, but it it haunted, it haunted me for years. I would sit in the park by myself and just cry. It was a very hard breakup. Uh, Was there any art that came out of that for you? Every, probably everything I do, all sorts of stuff. Like I became a photographer because he encouraged me to become a photographer. Um, a lot of my like sort of paintings and stuff during that time, like I've sold, you know, there's a ton of art that came out of it. I mean, heartbreak is art, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's great. Well, I guess it's almost like the process of grieving as well. Yeah. People, you know, people talk about grieving as if it's all pain, all pain. And then a lot of it to me is really interesting and fascinating. And you're never more present than when you're grieving. Like I find that like, I'm very present when I'm grieving and I make more art when I'm sad than when I'm happy. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh my God. That is an, that is an incredible point. And that's what Stevie Nicks did with this incredible fucking song. And I don't think there's anything wrong about bringing the mood down on the playlist. With no. that song, because that is an that's an incredible one. Yeah. She's just a she's a god. You said it. She is a god. All right, moving on. You're moving Number, on. Number three, bringing the mood back up with the chain. You, if you don't like this song, you're dead inside. That's my like. You have to like this song. Um, I also, I, I like, when I like a song, I like to look up the like history of it or see like the, you know, what makes it special. I love that all five members of the band wrote this song. It's one of the only ones on, I think on this record where all five members are credited. Um, yeah. And you know, who doesn't like a song about infidelity? Every time they would look at each other when they would sing Stevie and Lindsay and they would sing at each other. If you don't love me now, you will never love me again. Like, that's the fucking power of that band in, like, one crazy, you know, performance moment. It's really... I don't know how they did it. 
I don't either. I don't know how they did it. Even these lyrics, I'm like, they're not written. Like, I have not heard a song like this since, you know, like this song to me is like, I like that it's kind of about self-worth in some ways too, right? It's like, you broke a promise and I know my own value. Bye. Wow. That's it. There's some sage uh, dating advice. Know your own value. Oh man. The amount of times I allowed like behavior that I just was, could not stand behind because I didn't understand that I was worth more than that, or that I could advocate for myself. Woof. Not great. The chapter two of your book, advocate for yourself. (laughs) I do have notes about a dating book and like, I have chapters like that written where I'm like, yes, that and that. Yeah. Okay. okay. What do we need to do to get that out in the world? Because that's, that is, that has to happen. I would buy the Steve Nelson guide to dating. Yeah. How fun would that book be? Um, I'm, I'm in the works, so it will, it will be out in the world. As you move through into a, a healthy relationship, Looking back on your dating experience in Los Angeles, is there anything unique and specific about the city that you think plays a part of dating? Yeah, I think LA in its layout plays a part in how people date. Love that. I think because it is so spread out, I actually think dating become, so I think in New York or somewhere, you can kind of easily go on a date with anyone anywhere, right? Meet me at this bar. There's a lot of like sort of, um, there's a lot of flow in New York, a lot of walking, and it's like a different, it's a different energy. And I think in LA, if you want to date someone, you have to be very intentional about it. And I think that actually plays into being able to see how someone shows up. If someone is canceling because there's too much traffic, or honestly, even if someone would show up on a date, I would have people show up on dates and complain about how much traffic they had to sit in. And I'm like, you chose to live at the beach. This is not my problem. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, well, I've always said that, that they're, you know, you're it, sorry, you're geographically undesirable. Yeah. You might be the most amazing uh, fish on the planet, but you live in Marina Del Rey and I live in Silver Lake and I'm not driving to Marina no. Del Rey and I'm not driving back from Marina Del Rey at two o'clock in the morning. Absolutely not. Yeah. My boyfriend lives two blocks from me <gasps> and I walk to his house. It is Mwah, the perfect setup. There's no setup better than dating a neighbor. That is beyond rare. I mean, it was actually really crazy when he picked me up for my first date. That for our first date, he's like, can I pick you up since we kind of know each other? And I was like, yeah, of course. And he was like, you're not going to believe this, but it takes me one minute to get to your house. <laughs> and I was like, what? what is happening? Okay, hold on. Might need to take a second. One of my dogs is like howling. Okay, we're good. I, uh, full disclosure, I once... And many years ago, I was doing the online dating thing. Mm-hmm. And I once went on a date with a woman who lived in Venice, basically just for the experience of going on a date with someone who lived in Venice. Because what, it was like was another world. It, yeah. it was like I had never, I had never gone on a date in Venice. I had never dated anyone who lived in Venice. And I, I you know, I was living in Silver Lake at the time. And, you know, it might as well be Phoenix. It would be easier for me to drive to the Burbank airport airport get on a plane and land in phoenix than it is to get to venice at you know starting at you know if you want to pick someone up at seven you got to leave at three o'clock in the afternoon yeah i would rather date someone who lives in new york than venice because at least you have taste (laughs) whoa whoa well i wanted to know like venice at that time this was like 15 years ago was like yeah kind of more interesting people were moving there and there was a lot going on and so you know, cut to me with a stranger 
uh, yeah. at the Venice Ale House. Wow, I didn't know there was such thing. She was quite, uh, she was quite lovely. It was quite fun. But the other weird thing about it, because she lived so far away from me, we had no concentric circles in our life. We knew interesting one person in common, and that had never, ever, ever happened to me. That's weird, right? I think it's weird when you date someone who doesn't have, you don't have mutual friends with. It's sort of like, how do you actually know who they are? I that's I. It's there's no vetting. And that's like the main thing that matters to me. I'm like, let's vet this person and see if other people agree this person's quality. Vetting is huge. I, I think you can't vet us. You can't vet someone who has no circles with you. There's chapter three of your book. Vetting. Vetting is betting on yourself. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And that's it because, because of my age, you know, I grew up in a time when everything was vetted. You never dated someone outside of your peer group, whether it was work or school. Yeah. How would you? I I don't know. Yeah. Uh, But cut to me in Venice with a complete stranger. Um, All right. I think we're at number two. I think we're we're, at number two. Number two. Holy moly moly. Can you guess what my number two is? I'm going to guess that your number two is Sarah. Rhiannon. <laughs> yeah, I love this song. Um, and I like that I like that Stevie Nicks wrote this, right? Not knowing not knowing what she was essentially writing about. She didn't know that like Rhiannon is a queen or the goddess of fertility. She didn't know anything about this. She was just like, I just knew she wasn't of this world, and that's what I wrote about, which I really like. I like I also tend to like any artist songs about women that are named after women. So like, if you write a song that's like um, Evelyn, I'll be like, I'm into it. Like something about the specificity of the the woman is very like, I don't know, powerful to me. I fucking love that. So you did a little bit of research to find out what Stevie was writing about when she wrote this song. Yeah, I, I like, I thought for this in particular, like it's one thing to have a favorite song and I could tell you why it's my favorite. Everyone knows the songs are structurally sound and, you know, like the instrumentals are great and the singing is great. But I was like, oh, I wonder, I wonder if she knew what was behind. I, I guess I didn't even think about it. I was like, I'm not sure what this song is about hundred percent. And then read that she had no idea. He is going nuts. There was a, there was a little moan there. There was like a, ooh, ooh. That's Rocket that you can hear. And he's going deaf and blind. He's 14, right? Aww. And I d- he started doing a thing <laughs> in his old age where at random he'll just howl. And I'm part of me thinks it's because he doesn't know, he can't hear it. Do you know what I mean? Like he doesn't know he's even, part of me is like, does he have any awareness he's doing this? Was he a howler before? No, I never heard him do anything like this. He's silent. <laughs> <laughs> what what do you think he's trying to communicate right now? Well, I did put him and his brother and sister in their crate, which they love. But I think he doesn't love the crate when he can hear that I'm also home. If he can uh-huh. hear it, the truth is there's no real hearing test for a dog. I don't know how much he can hear and how much he can't. I'm not even sure if he can hear. He might just be fully blind and can hear perfectly. I don't know. <laughs> what's happening with him but it is sure making for some great podcasting <laughs> that's fantastic um yeah. all right rhiannon an incredible fleetwood mac song Love it. um that's always on that's in my top five fleetwood mac. it is that's another goo oh absolutely that's another goosebump song 
It is. That song is like, whoa, yes. How many Rhiannons do you think are out there in the world? Because of that Little girls named Rhiannon after Fleetwood Mac. There's got to be thousands of them out there. Yeah, I think so. Right? It, it, the odds seem weird that we haven't met any of them, though. Like, I'm worried. I'm worried that we haven't met a Rhiannon. Oh, that's an interesting point, because you would think that one of those Rhiannons would have come to Los Angeles other than the other Rhiannon. Yes. Who made a run at it. Yeah, she would be here on dating apps. She would be here. We'd know of her. I, I think that we're rounding the corner here, and I think that we're about to hear my your number one. number one. I don't know if it'll surprise you, but my number one is go your own way. Um, that's chapter six in your book of dating. <laughs> go your own way. Yeah, it's, it's, a, a, it's a dating. I'm pitching to you. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm throwing your whatever you've been working on in the trash. This is the Steve Nelson dating book, but it's yeah. steeped in Fleetwood Mac lyrics. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, cha- the end chapter, like um, the chapter before the last is landslide about heartbreak and um, longing, how longing can really hurt your relationships. And um, yeah, the final chapter is go your own way, that there's no right way to date. You can't. You, there's no salute. There's no formula for this stuff. You got to just really do it your own way, which is not what this song is about. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's not. No, there's uh, there's some anger to it, too. Yeah, uh, lots. That's kind of why I liked it. I was like, this one's a this one's an angry song. It's an anthem of sorts. Uh, I have a question for you. Yes. Do you remember the first time that you were able to look a dude in the eye and go, dude, you can go your own way. Like the first time that you felt empowered to be like, I'm out, I'm done. And I'm going to cut it off. Yeah, I do. I was on a date. It was a first date. And, um, at, by the end of the date, the guy was like, do you normally break up with people or do they break up with you? And I was like, for the most part, I think I'm leaving the things like, I, you know, whatever, not like in a bragging way or anything, just sort of like reality is I'm walking away. And he was like, gosh, that's so interesting. I mean, I've met, like, I think you're cool, but like, I've met a lot of Stevie Nelsons in my life. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? What he said to me. (laughs) Wow. And in that moment, in that moment, what did you think that bro meant? I think he, I mean, what it sounded like he meant to me is like, you're cool, but you're not that cool. (laughs) Wow. Like that he's met a ton of people like me and that like, and I, I remember thinking specifically, like, great, then you won't have problems as I evacuate this situation. So did you, like, push your chair back and go, yeah, okay, great. Bye. Yeah. We, we were walking, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go. Bye. Like, I was just like, I'm out of here. I mean, you know... We've, I think we've talked about negging before on here where negging is like a term where men say something kind of like backhandedly offensive to you in order to kind of like make you feel a little bit less than so then you're more apt to want their approval. It's like some sort of psychological weirdness that men do, that that men who have read like the game or something do or men who just think it works do. Mm-hmm. And it's felt like a neg of some kind. And I'm just like, that doesn't work on me. Like being kind to me works on me, but like telling me that I'm one of many is sort of like, 
look, I, I don't have any delusions. I know that I'm a white woman who lives in Los Angeles and is an actress. Like I, in that sense, yes. But like, I do think people are different. I'm not, I'm not like every single woman. You can't have possibly met tons of people like me. What are you talking about? Yeah, that was a tactic. As soon as you said the game. Yeah. That was a tactic. It was, uh, and it didn't work. It backfired. But but I, I don't know this. You're telling me the term is negging, N-E-G-G-I-N-G. Negging, where a lot of time it's like, it'll look something like, and I don't mean to be teaching negging here, but yeah. maybe, but maybe what will happen is someone will hear this and be like, oh my gosh, I accidentally do that. I didn't even know I was doing that. Um, but it's like, you'll say something like, wow, like your ears are so big for your body. That's so cute. Or it's something like that where it's sort of like, <laughs> it's sort of like a huge insult masked as a compliment, nagging a way to make you just really feel just a little bit bad about yourself and need their more of their approval. Have you ever been on a date with someone and just decided that you had to kind of stick it to them a little bit? Uh, no, I'm not good at, I'm, I'll basically just, no, I'm not good at that stuff. I'm cause I'm also like, I don't want to be mean to people, but I will be like, Hey, I don't want to be here. Like I'll just leave. I've been known to set timers, like 20 minute timers. And if I'm not enjoying myself, chapter eight, set a timer. Yeah. Always set a timer. You always have an out and you don't even have to explain it. No man has ever asked for an explanation when I'm like, Whoa, my time I'll say, Whoa, my timer's going off. I gotta go. And they'll be like, Oh, Okay. <laughs> they don't ask. But yeah, I'm not I can't I don't I don't believe in nagging. I think it sucks so bad. It's such a bad vibe. Yeah. No, I totally understood. Um there's no you can always leave before dessert too, right? You can leave if you get there and you feel like you were misled. Like you can leave any time. Like I give myself permission before I go on dates to be like, if you're uncomfortable in any way, for whatever reason, regardless of the person, you can get up and go. It does not matter. You always can leave. I love being at, let's say, the coffee bean on Hillhurst, which has a large outdoor patio. Huge. Which back in the day was absolutely a meeting place for people doing the online thing. Cool. And I love being there when you could see a young woman walk onto the patio, see the guy that she was clearly supposed to meet, and turn around and get the fuck out of there. Yeah, and just be like, not for me. Not yep. today. <laughs> not today. Yeah, it's pretty... I think it's powerful. I think it's powerful to leave, like not leave someone hanging, but just to be like, I can't do this. Well, you, you said it before advocate, you know, advocate yeah. for yourself. Yeah. Well, and sometimes you no need to why. waste my time on this schmo. No need to waste your time doing anything that doesn't feel right for you. Mm. No. Yes. I, I agree in that wholeheartedly. However, I will say from my life experience that has gotten me into trouble many, many, many times. Oh yeah. Same. I'm not saying there aren't consequences. <laughs> Right. There are consequences. <laughs> Major consequences, but do what you need to do. <laughs> well, you know, I, I've admitted this before, but my only rule for living was, is it cool or not? Uh, that was- Oh, my, I like that. It was my childish way of approaching the adult world, which really got me into trouble. Is but, it cool or not? <laughs> it's really cool or not. Like, that's it. Like everything, whether it's clothes, a job, a career path- uh, a significant other is it cool or not and if yeah. it's not no sorry and yeah. of course i thought that i was the um you know i was the ultimate arbiter of of cool what's cool the ultimate judge of cool and um boy was i wrong my my i feel like my motto now is like is it comfortable or not <laughs> mm. i'm just like can i wear that is it comfortable 
Um, I, I, you need to know that I had before the pandemic, I had really one official pair of sweatpants. Mm-hmm. Now I have six. Oh yeah. And you have I, to. I have a nice pair. Uh-huh. Yeah, fancy sweats. Of course. We know what those mean. Those are the ones you can leave the house in. They're fancy. <laughs> I I I think that there should be uh, business sweats. I think it should be okay to walk into NBC Universal if you're pitching something in a nice sweatsuit. I think it's fine now. I honestly think if you put a whole sweatsuit on, I do think that's a look. I think it's fine. I'm I will wear a sweatsuit out. Well, I believe in it. I have been uh, my 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 partner Ahmed Zap and I have been actually pitching a lot on Zoom yeah. these days. A lot, a lot, a lot. And I'm, I'm always in sweats. Yep. But I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> yeah. You're probably performing better because you're actually comfortable. It's important. <laughs> Comfort first. Um, is there anything you want to say as we wrap up our discussion about Fleetwood Mac? Is there anything you want to throw out there or add to the discussion? You know, I guess I just want to say that I'm no expert on Fleetwood Mac. I just really like, I just really like them. That's all. I'm going to ask you the dumb question. The question that you've been asked your entire life. I know this. Am I named after Stephen Nicks? (laughs) (laughs) No, No. I'm not. No, which is so nice. Okay. So you're named after Seattle Seahawks wide receiver, Steve Largent. That's exactly right. Yeah. (laughs) My musician dad was like, what if? (laughs) (laughs) What if I was a jock? (laughs) (laughs) What if? Maybe I make her into an athlete. Let's see what happens. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm i named after no one, which is nice. I'm just named. Yeah, you're just named Steve Nelson. Yeah. Um, athlete, is it true? Wait, I think that the last time I did see you were talking about, are you a karate expert? I'm not an expert, no, but I did do martial arts my entire childhood. I, w- I did Tong Sudo and was a, gre- a fifth degree green belt. Uh, I just had like two more Two more belts before I was a black belt. Wait, 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 wait. What's the discipline? I don't know the discipline. Tong Sudo, a version of karate. Okay. Tell me about that. Man, it was really cool. I um I started when I was like maybe nine or something and worked my way up. I loved it. It was like you compete and you you like do tests for the belts. And when you're late, um, you have to do a ton of push-ups and you get uh, for on fun days, you got to do obstacle courses, but mostly I was fighting people. Oh, oh wait, you did actual Cobra Kai San Fernando Valley competitions. Yes, I did. I did competitions and I won some of them. No way. Yeah, I did a lot of sparring. I love to spar. Okay, so in, so here's young Steve <laughs> Nelson sparring off against another young lady or young dudes too? Both. They would pair me with both. Yeah, I, but, fuck yeah. But here's the thing. I was a freaking tiny kid, okay? Tiny. Like, I was in a car seat until I was 12. <laughs> which means I was about 40 pounds. Okay. No. So I was like there, it, whatever, you know, how parents are like, he's in the 90th percentile. I was like in the 1%. Okay. <laughs> I was teeny tiny. Um, but I would spar against like girls who were three times my size. Wow. But being we- small is really nice in a sport like that. In my opinion. Um, is there, is there a lot of kicking involved in this discipline? A lot of kicking, a lot of punching. A lot of kicking, a lot of punching. On picture day, I have pictures I can show you. Maybe we could even promote it with some of those pictures I can send you. Well, it's going to be in your dating book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hobbies. (laughs) (laughs) 
and recreation. Um, <laughs> I, um, on picture day, the photographer who was clearly not a martial artist was putting me in poses that were not legitimate poses. And I remember very being very angry that he was having me do poses that weren't actual karate poses. So you can see the dead eyes in my face where I am just like, I look like I dissociated in such a major way. I, I'll show them to you and you will be like, wow, this kid is very serious. Wow. So you were yeah. tenacious. I was tenacious. I like things to be, I, I liked, I like the rules. I was like, this is not accurate. Why are we taking creative? Uh, like I, why is this photographer being creative about these poses when there are actual poses? That is fucking phenomenal. Have you ever thought about going back to the discipline? Yes. I think about it a lot. My, my only issue is I don't particularly like want to wrestle. Like I thought about doing it right around when the pandemic hit. And now it's like, I'm afraid a little bit to wrestle with people. I think it's kind of like, now I'm like, Oh God, is that disgusting? Like, do you know what I mean? There's like a level of germiness. Right. Um, Right. 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 But I have thought about a lot about it to where I've looked up different disciplines that maybe don't involve me like punching and hitting people. Um, Yeah. You can just do the movement. Yeah. Yeah. And I even did, I even went on a date during the pandemic it was such a bad date, but the guy had me come do, um, what is it? I forgot what I'm I'm like blanking on the name of it, but when that martial arts that people do in the parks and it's really slow, <laughs> what is that called? Tai Chi. Tai Chi. Duh. So right. I did Tai Chi in the park with this dude and it was like apparently an advanced Tai Chi class. And I had no idea what I was doing. It looks more like dance than anything. You know, it's like this beautiful sort of like flowing movement. So that that's an option. Wait, it's a little slow. Was this a first date with a dude? Sure was. It was. And he orchestrated, he was like, "Uh, come meet me at this Tai Chi class in Griffith Park. Where were you? No, it was like somewhere in Santa Monica. Oh, (laughs) okay. Of course. (laughs) All right. So you're in a weird park on a first date with a guy (laughs) and he's making you do Tai Tai Chi. Chi. With a class that he's apparently been a part of for like years. And I had no idea what I was doing. It was, and you can't talk during it. Like it's absolutely a bad first date idea. Our our early for our early dates where you have to go and do a physical activity, a good idea or a bad idea, Stevie Nelson. I think a date where there's an activity is always kind of a good idea, but I will say this, a first date, in my opinion, should always be something that's very quick and doesn't involve an activity like a coffee despite maybe coffees having no vibes. I think if you have a vibe with someone, there will be a vibe. You don't need a manufacturer vibe if there's a vibe. Um, But I think it should be something you can leave within 30 to 45 minutes if you want to, because getting stuck on like an hour date activity and then feeling obligated to like talk after is like you're trapping yourself. Why am I on a zip line with some schmo? In Hawaii, that a guy I don't know. Yeah, it's like you're in trouble. <laughs> you're in big trouble. The flight home is going to be hard. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I every once in a while I will appear on our dear friend Arden Marine's um, Bachelor Bachelorette theme podcast. Yes. Will you accept this rose? Quick tangent: We are also for her Patreon subscribers. We have been breaking down the entire series uh, or the entire season six of Summer House on Bravo. What's uh, Summer House? It is literally. Hot people living in a house in the Hamptons. No, renting a house on the weekends in the Hamptons. That's it. 
Whoa. Okay. There's no, love there's no love elimination. It. It's the same people. It's pretty much the same core group of people for the last six seasons. But every Friday, they meet in the Hamptons at a giant house. I mean, a huge mansion with tons of rooms and a pool and a giant yard. And they have parties and they go out in Southampton or Montauk and they get loaded. And they're basically just get hammered and hook up with each other. And that's the show. I love this show. Okay, I can't wait to see it. But The Bachelor, what I was going to say about The Bachelor is The Bachelor is obsessed with activity dating. Every fucking date on The Bachelor or Bachelorette is like horse riding, parasailing, spear fishing. It's humiliating. A lot of zip lining. So much. Right. And you're on a horse. Maybe you've never been on a horse in your life. And all of a sudden you're on a horse with some fucking stranger. So I'm like, is that what hot people like to do? Do they have to do physical things? And that's what I thought. when But the dude saying, hey, let's go do Tai tai Chi. No, it's what boring people do. Boring Ah! people. Boring people have to do activities because they don't have anything else to say. Wow. So so you have to like give yourself. It's like someone giving themselves content, basically, you know, like. Wait, I, did I ever tell you about the guy who um, I kept telling no to dating? And then he said, guess what we're doing on Wednesday night? And I was like, what, what? are you doing? Because I'm not doing anything with you. Um, and then he was like salsa dancing. And I kept to all my girlfriends was like, are we on the fucking bachelor? Is this gonna <laughs> who the- Look, if you look at me and know anything about me, you can pretty much deduce two things. One, I'm creative. Two, I don't salsa dance. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but nothing about my energy says you should take me salsa dancing. I'd like to get really sensual and close with someone I don't know. Do you think that he thought after exhausting a whole list of things for you guys to do that he was if he came up with the right activity, you would say yes? Yeah. And I think if. I think he also probably thought if he just told me what, what I was doing and what the plan was that I would say yes, because who says no, you know, like, I think, I think this is one of those people who doesn't get told no a lot. I but, told him no, he was I told him no many a time. This, but th- was this guy a billionaire as well? No, he's like a realtor. <laughs> <laughs> I chapter 11 of your book must Don't. be, especially in Southern California, no realtors, period. That's no, it. No realtors. And the chapter is just says that as a month. That's it. Yeah, no, it's, like, a, it's a white page with two words. No realtors. It's so true. They're 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 made to make you buy something. They're mani- they're natural manipulators. It's not good. You don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, they are people who have been trained in the dark arts of making you spend $1.7 million on a house that used to be worth $250,000. Yeah. And they'll tell you and they'll sit here and they will walk your hand and they'll tell you they're there for you through the whole process there. <laughs> it's the worst kind of L.A. person, in my opinion. Well, I, I say this lovingly. Um, many of them are failed performers, actors. Yeah. That, this guy was the same. He was a failed actor who whose daddy whose daddy was a famous actor. <laughs> so, oh, oh, wow. So he had he was coming out with, with a whole lot of crazy. Yeah, he had a whole lot of like, I need this to work with you because it works with everyone. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. God bless well, we, we, You know what, Steve Nelson? Mm. We've learned so much today. We have. We've learned too much. I need to tell you one update, one last yes. update. Please, 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 please. From 
our, I think our first episode together or second, I finally tried Zanku chicken. Did I Brendan explain Zanku chicken and make you was like, yeah, you got to go fucking try it. Believe me, it's the best fucking chicken. Well, you told me the haunted story behind Zanku chicken. And so uh-huh. I was like, oh, wow. I was like, this is an L.A. staple. I got to go. Let me just say I eat there about once every two weeks now. Holy Moses. So the Zanku murders, which yeah. people can let me quick tangent. Let me just say to the people listening to this podcast right now, Zanku chicken is a chain of um, it's rotisserie chicken. It's like Armenian Lebanese rotisserie chicken seasoned perfectly with those kind of ingredients from those cultures. Uh, they have falafel. They have shawarma. Um, they are owned and operated by uh, one family in town. And if you just Google Zenku, comma Glendale, comma murder, uh, you'll you'll get to the story yeah. of how uh, the patriarch basically killed his mom and his sister, uh, which was uh, in the '90s, which was a huge fucking story. Yeah. Um, and that the Zenku uh, in Los Feliz is. Um, just one of my favorite places on the planet Earth. So you say th- thumbs up. God, I'm just babbling like a baby. You say thumbs up to Zanku Chicken. Uh, yeah, two thumbs up to Zanku Chicken. One of my new favorite places to eat. It, You know, it used to be not to age myself, but it used to be so fucking cheap too. That's the- Oh, it's not anymore. It's it's kind of like a real I price. I know. It's, you know, it's crazy. But I will say this also for those who are gluten-free out there, everything on that menu is gluten-free except for like, the tabbouleh salad, everything. Oh, did is, not know that. So it's naturally just gluten-free, which is really a nice thing for people who can't eat gluten like me. They have garlic paste people. It's just like a oh. paste of garlic and mayonnaise and lemon juice that they just whip up into a thing and you can put it on anything. I used to uh, get extra tubs of it and basically come home and put it in a jar. This was oh how God. I rolled in it's the 90s. It's so good. The best. It's so good. Uh, it's great on steak too. Um, Steve Nelson, Brendan Smith. We have um, we have been podcasting. We have. This has been really nice to come back here. Well, it's time to say goodbye. Um, is there anything you want to promote or throw out there, or let any, anyone know what you're up to and uh, some of your other endeavors? You know, nothing I'd like to promote necessarily. I do have. I am in like the first episode of a series coming out. I know, I don't know when it's going to be released, but it's about the Watergate scandal called white house plumbers. And I play a flight attendant. That's fucking fantastic. It's pretty fun. I think my friend Joey Slotnick is in that. Yeah. It was so cool. I worked with Woody Harrelson who told me that I should play Stevie Nicks in a biopic. He did. Yeah. I I said, let's do it. Let's go. (laughs) I said, okay, Woody. (laughs) My my head is exploding because (laughs) 90s Woody Harrelson would have absolutely used that as a line on you to get (laughs) you to go salsa dancing. Now, let's just assume that it was a nice, it was a nice thing to say to you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, Los Angeles, you never disappoint. No, you sure don't. (laughs) (laughs) Full of surprising little gems here and there. (laughs) Um, Well, look, uh, all I want to say is thank you. I adore you. People should know that um, the reason I love Stevie Nelson so much is that she makes the city so much more fun. 
Wow. You make the city fun, too. No, thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you to the rest of you for liking, listening, subscribing. So many great guests coming down the pike. But who can beat Steve Nelson? Nobody. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> and, of course, the Brando cast is produced by Mr. Richard Sheltinga. So until the next time, cats and kittens. Yeah.